0: Yeah, well, I am the associate pastor of online engagement and communications, which is a lot to say. And uh, so, if you see me on my phone during the service, I am not on Instagram. I am just running the live stream. I promise. So don't don't judge me. But uh, I am so glad to be here with you this morning here at our Port Clinton campus. And I just I have to share a story with you because this is just so incredible what God can do in the life of someone. And it was 2000, no, it was actually December of 2007, and a friend of mine, her mom, invited me to the chapel, and I did not want to go. I No, seriously, I didn't want anything to do with God or the Bible or Jesus or any of that because, like, I had my life, and I didn't want anybody telling me how to live my life. Um, and so it was really tough, you know, but I wanted her mom to like me and not think I was some hooligan, and so I went, and, uh, you know... Th- that it was at Arsendowski campus, and that very first day that I went in December of 2007, if you had told me 14 years later, 15 years later, that I was going to be a pastor, you might as well have told me I was going to be in the NBA. I mean, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. You know, I mean, I was a bartender for eight years before I went into ministry, as you do. And uh, <laughs> like, but all of that to say, let me just say this just invite someone to church, and let Jesus do the rest, and it has just been an incredible thing, and God has been so faithful, and so we can just celebrate, can we just celebrate what God has done, not in just, like, not in just my life, but in all of our lives, I mean, that's, man, you talk about redemption, so, 1030 service, are you awake? Good, if not, go get some coffee, come back in, because we're gonna have church, all right, uh, We're in the book of Acts uh, chapter 8 this morning, and before we get started, I want to share some of my favorite quotes with you. So the first one of my favorite quotes is, do what's right, not what's easy. And that's from a book written by Hal Hal Elrod. It's called Miracle Morning. It's not a Christian book. It's like a self-help book, but he says this, Every time you choose to do the easy thing instead of the right thing, you're shaping your identity you're becoming the type of person who does what's easy rather than what's right. So what he's saying here is every time you choose to do something easy, you are shaping your character, you're, you're, you're adjusting the trajectory of your life. Every time you do something easy instead of what's right, you are becoming the type of person who does what's easy. But every time you do the right thing, you become the type of person who just does what's right because that's who you are. I, I heard a quote, and I think it's very true. He said, you'll never meet somebody who's successful who leaves their shopping cart in the parking lot. People, because people who are successful do the right thing all the time. They will put their shopping cart back into the corral where it goes instead of leaving it for someone else to deal with. My, uh, the next quote is this, everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to change the toilet paper. (laughs) Now, it's silly, but it's true, because People want to make a dent. Like, I think we have this innate, you know, desire, like, I want to change the world for good. And I think people think that they're just going to have this grand opportunity handed to them where they get to make a massive change in the lives of other people. But the reality is, it's through millions of little decisions to do the right thing over and over and over. So if you're not willing to do the little things like change the toilet paper for your family, you're probably not going to be the type of person who's going to do incredible things to shape the lives of other people as well, too. And then uh, the, the next one is, uh, Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But I have a better one. It's a, you miss 100% of the naps you don't take. And that's going to be true for me later. So I'm, <laughs> it's been a long morning. All right. And then this one I want to share. This is from uh, Theodore Roosevelt. He says, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who has led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. I have met people in my life where they have incredible moral character. They're great parents. They have a great marriage. They have a strong faith. And I'm like, man, I really want that. Until I find out what they had to go through in order to get there, and then I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of, but that's true, like, a lot of people don't become great or do great things without intense difficulty, uh, it, because, you know, like, with just about every, every great movement, there's going to be resistance, and I would say this, that if what you're doing, things are going really well, cruising along, um, you, you may not be doing anything that really matters, especially in the scope of eternity. And that's true for the Christian because if you are doing something to impact the kingdom of God, I guarantee you the enemy is going to try to stop that. And this was certainly true for the early church. And so we're following the movement, the growth, the explosion of the early church in the book of Acts. And we're going to be in chapter 8 today. And so if you have a printed Bible, we'll be there. If you want to use the Version app. And I'll tell you what, if you don't have a printed Bible and you would love to have one, we have racks of them right at the back of the room. You're more than welcome to have one of those. We would love for that to be your gift, a gift to you this morning. And so uh, chapter 8. And we're going to see in chapter 8 that as the church grows, there's going to be more resistance, more effort, more pain, and more difficulty. So we found out that Stephen, one of, the, one of the apostles, had just been murdered for his faith. And then here's what is sort of the result of that. It says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. So what, one thing that we see that we in this is that, uh, you know, there's this persecution and the church, like all of this intense persecution happens. So the believers are starting to get scattered. And I promise you that at that time, they were probably thinking, all right, this is not good. This is not God's plan. We're being persecuted. We're being scattered. We have to run away. But that wasn't the truth. And it is through persecution, through, through difficult times that the church grows. Over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of difficulty from the pandemic, um, political, turmoil, social disruption, uh, vaccine issues, inflation, gas prices, all of that. And church, that was our time to shine, right? Because we, the light shines brightest in the darkness, right? And yet I found that so many of us, instead of taking advantage of that and being the church, we sided with everybody else and just complained. But what we find out in the book of Acts is that the movement of the church and the gospel of Jesus will not be Stopped. Jesus said in, in Matthew 16, he said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And how true is that? It went from 12 people, we're here now in Ohio, on the other side of the world, nothing is going to stop the gospel, no matter what we go through. I just want to encourage you, I don't know what you're going through, what persecution you're facing, but I've read the end of the book and we're on the winning team. Jesus is coming back. He's still on the throne. Yeah. So, despite all, this, uh, despite all this hardship, and now despite this great persecution here in Acts 8, and honestly, what has happened over and over again throughout history is that the church in, in, of Jesus and the message of the gospel flourishes most in persecution. Look what it says here in verse, 8, or verse 4, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went, Pre- causing the church to scatter helped the church to grow. And it was part of God's agenda all along, because like I said, the disciples were probably like, okay, this is not supposed to happen, but God was just like, I'm doing something greater than your comfort. And one of those believers was Philip. During the first part of Acts 8, Philip travels to Samaria to share Jesus with people there, which tells us a little bit about Philip, because Samaria was a despised despised city, and the people there were considered a despised people group. But Philip evidently believed that they needed to hear about Jesus, so he went there, and we pick up more of his story in verse 26. Let's look at it together. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip was one of the men that was appointed to be a deacon, to help the church body, to serve, to provide care, making sure that needs were met. But God was also using him to reach out to new people. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, what we learn about Philip here is that he was willing to go wherever God was directing him. I mean, think about it. He was a deacon. He probably had a pretty comfortable position, right? He probably had a really good parking spot, corner office, air conditioning. I don't know when air conditioning was invented, but maybe not. But like, he probably had it like, this was really comfortable. And then God calls him to go south. Like he doesn't even know where he's going. He's just like, go south, Right? Like, what if God was just like, go south, and you're like, I don't know, what's south there, Fremont? Like, go to Fremont? Like, I don't know. I can make fun of Fremont. I grew up there. But like, if God was like, just go south, you don't even know where you're going, right? And he says, use the desert road that, that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza, and Philip just responds. He just does it. So he, says, so he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under, under the Kandaka, the queen of Ethiopia, so now we're introduced to the second main character in this interac- interaction, the Ethiopian eunuch. So some of you are thinking, like, Who's a, who is this eunuch? Some of you might even be thinking, like, what is a eunuch? Well, uh, this is from GodQuestions.org. It says, a eunuch is a man who has been castrated for the purpose of trusted servitude in a royal household. A king would often castrate his servants to ensure they would not be tempted to engage in sexual activity with others in the palace, specifically the royal harem. Imagine if that was under your job description. Okay, so first of all, this is from gotquestions.org, which is, a, they have an app, and I highly recommend it. Me and all the other pastors, we trust it to find questions about God, the Bible, um, Jesus, any of those things, so that's a great resource. I highly recommend you download that, put it on your phone. Um, but you might be having, you might think have more questions about castration and a eunuch and all of that, and if you have those questions, if you just wanna email Pastor Ryan later this week, uh, man, he said he would love to answer just any questions. If your kids have questions, you actually can just show up to the office and just ask them. So, but we're going to move on from there. So it says the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. If you're somebody here and you're seeking, you know, you're exploring, you're just checking. You wouldn't say you're a believer in Jesus. You're just checking out this whole church thing, this whole God Thing. Here's what I want to say. This eunuch didn't understand who Jesus was and everything that Jesus had done for him, but yet he was still going to worship. He was essentially going to church. He was exploring. He was acting on whatever level of faith or understanding he had at the time. And this should say to those of you who are just searching and exploring that you should continue to do so. And also, even though he was a very high ranking official, he had authority, but he realized that, hey, there had to be an authority greater than him. He knew that there was something bigger than himself, and that's why he's going to Jerusalem to worship. And so he continued to look for the truth. In fact, it said that he was reading the scriptures, which is a great reminder of us of the importance of God's word, both for those who are exploring Christ and those for, for the, I'm sorry, and Christ followers as well. Romans ten seventeen says, for faith comes through hearing or reading, and that is hearing or reading the good news about Christ. This Bible was given to me by the same lady that invited me to the chapel, and it is beat up. It has been all over America and Mexico with me, and and I try to read this every day, and this is my life. This is my truth. And I I wouldn't know truth without this. And for you, Christian, it's like, where do you get your truth? Because there's a million different voices coming at you. You know, from your friends, your family, your co-workers, the news, social media, there's a lot of different voices, but where are you going to find out what's really going on? Because again, if you look at what's going on around the world, it seems like things are going downhill, but again, if you read the end of this book, we're on the winning team. So, so... Whether we are exploring our faith or we want to grow in our faith, God's word is crucial. It was crucial to the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and it's crucial for all of us. That's why our number one value here at the chapel is we depend on God and his word. God's word is central, but also willing people are also essential for other people to come to faith. And that's what we see in Philip. It says this, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So if you're a Christ follower, if you're a believer in Jesus, again, Philip is ready and willing to go where the Spirit leads him, even to a specific person. And now, Philip was probably like a couple things. One, this may have been an awkward situation, right? He's just calling him to go walk along this carriage, this eunuch. But, and, and Philip did it. This happened to me two days ago. It was Friday. I was at a car dealership because I'm trying to sell my truck and the car dealership called me, and the guy there, actually, I went to high school with, and I probably hadn't talked to him in 20 years, and, you know, what, what was supposed to be a, a pretty quick time ended up with him just unloading his life on me, and I was grateful to be a part of it and to hear it, and I felt in that moment, I felt like God saying, hey, I want you to pray for him right now, and I was like, God, this is going to be so awkward. There's like all these dudes standing around, and We're in a car lot and it's just weird. And so, did I pray for him? No, I didn't. I didn't. And I missed out on what God was calling me to do. And I know that God is sovereign, but I feel like I lost the opportunity to be a blessing in that guy's life and to allow Jesus to work through me. And I think what I've learned is that as we continue to say no to those opportunities, I just think God will. And I'm not saying this is biblical, but I've found that God will just give us less and less of those opportunities. And so are you willing to listen to that little small voice, that tension, when God says, hey, text this person or call this person or go over to this person or pray for this person or whatever it is? Are you willing to obey that even if it's awkward, even if it's weird, whatever it might be? Um, And the other thing that I've learned is that ministry is often disguised as inconvenience. There's been, yeah, there's, there's been very few times that people's lives have fallen apart on my schedule, like when it works out for me, right? There's always an inconvenience, right? So do you have margin in your life where you have time to make time for other people? Or are you like me, where your schedule's so back to back to back to back Like, if something comes up and you want to help somebody, you can't, because it's just going to destroy all the other appointments that you have in that day. Sometimes you got to pay attention to that tension and say, you know what, God's doing something bigger here than what I think is important. So, Philip, unlike me, follows what God says and does what he's he's told. And so, are we ready and willing to, to, to serve those God puts in our path? So if you are a Christ follower, I want you to, to understand this is that we have to go where people are and not expect them to come to us. They can't afford to anyway. Gas is too expensive. They can't come to us. We got to go to them, right? We have to go to people. And here's what's incredible for you. You are on the front lines. You're going to leave here today. And then this week, you're going to go out into the workplace. You know, you're going to see teammates, classmates, people you work with, your friends and family, people I don't know, people I don't have a relationship with. You're out there meeting and rubbing shoulders all week with people who, who I don't get a chance to interact with. You are out there doing ministry that I cannot do. I work at a church all day. I'm surrounded by Christians. We all know the good news. Like, I'm not sharing that with Pastor Ryan. He already knows. So, but you get the chance to go out there. And that's when the church is most effective when we leave this place and go out into our neighborhoods, into our schools, and our workplaces. I love what pa- Pastor Francis Chan says. He says Christians are like manure. Just just trust me, he says when you lump them all together, they start to stink. But if you spread them out, they help things grow. It's true, right? If we all just come here every Sunday and hang out and just be with ourselves, we're not doing anything. But when we go out and we love people and make a difference in this world, we help things grow, and that's when we're effective. Go where people are and show interest in what they're interested in, don't be afraid to ask questions. Go where Jesus would go, and make some friends. There's this pastor at a church in Toledo I used to listen to all the time. He was telling me about a time when he was at the mall, which is this relic of the past. Nobody goes there anymore. And he said, there's this guy at the mall reading like that big family Bible that your grandma has. It's like King James. It comes in a wooden case. It's illustrated. It weighs like 45 kilograms. It's massive, right? And this dude's just reading it at the mall, And he's like, how many people are gonna go up to this guy and be like, hey, that's so cool that you're reading the King James Bible at the mall. Let's have a conversation. No, he said, read the Bible at home, make friends out in public. So are we out there just being religious or are we out there trying to genuinely get to know people? Get to know people and care for people who aren't like you, whether they become a Christian or not. Be real, people can tell if you're fake and if you have an agenda and you just see them as a project. You gotta ask yourself, would I be friends with this person even if I knew that they would never become a Christian because if not, then you're loving them for you, not for them. And allow allow the Holy Spirit over time to make room so that you can authentically share your story. It's not about going out there and selling Jesus like a used car salesman. Get to know people because people don't care what you believe until they know that you genuinely care about them. It's about sharing the good news, right? And in this world, there's a lot of bad news, and there are people out there who are just starving. They're like, give me some good news, please. And the Ethiopian eunuch, he was literally looking for this. He was reading scripture, and Philip, all he had to do was simply come up and ask what he was reading, but that's one of the first relationships, or first steps to building relationships with others and gaining influence in their people's and lives. Just ask them what they're interested in. And so Philip run, it says he ran over, he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And if it hadn't been the scriptures that he was reading, Philip could have asked him a ton of other questions, you know, about his job, about the carriage he's in, like, yo, what size wheels are those? How many camel power, you know, you got under the hood? Like, Whatever. But seriously, when we show interest in people and we ask questions about what interests them, it often leads them to asking questions about us, and that's exactly what happened. And we can share, and we also might learn some things. Acts 8.31, the eunuch replied, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come to, to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Don't be afraid to ask questions. If you are just seeking, if you're looking... If you're searching for Jesus, uh, interested in God, don't be afraid to ask questions. Be humble enough to ask for help and understanding. There are things, I've been reading the Bible for over a decade, and there's still some things I read in here, and I'm like, all right, I have no idea what this means. And I've got to ask somebody, or I've got to do some research. Be humble enough to ask for help and understanding. The question from the Ethiopian eunuch reminds me of what's written in the book of Romans, and this verse is so critical to me, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, but it says this, with these verses. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the, are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. It was in my apartment in 2008, upstairs, Norwalk, Ohio, one-bedroom apartment, And God brought those verses to my heart, and it's so crazy that they were written in this message today. And that was my call to go into vocational ministry because I felt God calling me to share the good news. But it's not just a job reserved for pastors because most people, it's like 90% of people, research has shown, will come to a relationship with Jesus, a saving relationship with Jesus through through a relationship with a trusted friend or family member, not through religious presentation. And this is important for me to stand here and for us to learn together. But when you are out there genuinely loving people, being an agent of God's healing and transforming grace into a broken world, that is what gives you the relational equity so that you can share the good news of Jesus. So this eunuch asked Philip about the scripture that he had been reading from Isaiah the prophet. And it says the passage of scripture he'd been reading was this: He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his? Who can speak of his? Uh, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asks, "Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else?" And this prophecy about Jesus was written hundreds of years before he was ever on earth. And it predicted the coming Messiah and Savior of the world. And the eunuch is confused about what he's reading. So he asked Philip, hey, is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And I love what happens next. So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, start where people are, but point them to Jesus. People are going to come with their questions, with their issues. They're going to want to know our stance on politics, on social issues, on vaccinations, on inflation, on gas prices, and all of those things. Point them back to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Because the, keep the main thing the main thing, right? Here's, here's where I need to test myself, and you probably need to test yourself too. If, if somebody were to come and look at my social media page or your social media page, what would they... What would they conclude about us? That we care more about social issues or we care more about Jesus? That we care more about our hobbies or that we care more about Jesus? That we care more about the price of gas and inflation or we care about Jesus? It's important for us to always listen to others and their questions, but no matter what, take them back to Jesus. Keep the main thing the main thing. Point them to Jesus. I love the approach of the Apostle Paul Here in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2, it says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. At the end of the day, church, it's all about Jesus. And and that's who we should be pointing people towards. And for those of you who are exploring your faith, that's who you should be looking towards know that the most important thing in your life is what you think about Jesus. The two most important questions you can ask is who do I say Jesus is and who does Jesus say I am? Not religion, not church, not politics, not even the Bible. You have to decide what are you gonna do with Jesus? What are you gonna think about him and how are you gonna respond to the love that he has poured out for you on the cross? Philip took the Ethiopian. Ethiopian eunuch back to Jesus he pointed him to Jesus and as a result the eunuch responded look what happens next as they rode along they came to some water and the eunuch said look there's some water why can't I be baptized said he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him don't be afraid to put your faith in Jesus and respond in a radical way man when when you place your faith in Jesus get baptized go on a short-term mission, start giving, start serving, join a small group, start reading the Bible and asking questions, go all in. Because Jesus never gave us the option of being marginally important in our life. He is either everything or he is nothing. Jesus is not a coat that you put on on Sunday morning and then Wednesday for small group and then you put him in a drawer the rest of your week. He is every part of your life or or he is nothing. And it says that when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away And the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. The eunuch began exploring and reading and asking questions, then went forward rejoicing. And if you are here searching, exploring, asking questions, I want to encourage you, don't stop. We're here for you. This is the church for you. This is a place where you can ask the difficult questions. You can ask the things that you're wrestling with. You can come up to me and say, hey, and say, hey, you know what, the Bible says this, but science says this, how do you reconcile those? And I'll help you find that answer. And if I don't know, I'll tell you I don't know, but we'll find it together. This is the church for you. We wanna be here to, wrestle, to help you wrestle through your questions about faith, about doubt, about life. And remember, your questions and your explorations could lead to the greatest joy of your life. L- knowing Jesus, knowing his love, knowing his forgiveness, knowing his purpose for your life. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give, it, and give it to you abundantly. If you look at your life right now and you would say, there is no abundance in my life, Jesus is calling you to that life. So don't be afraid to take that leap of faith. And as followers of Jesus, as the church, don't forget that what you have to share with people When you share Jesus could change the trajectory, not just of their lives, but of their eternity. It could bring them their greatest joy ever. We get to be a part of helping to make heaven full. In closing, this record of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch reminds me that people often come to Jesus when three things are in place. And the first one is this, when God's spirit is at work. We see God's spirit working in the heart of the eunuch as he's searching and exploring. We also see God's Spirit at work in Philip when he is sensitive and responsive to the Spirit's leading and does whatever God asks him to do. And so ask yourself, where am I at with Jesus? Have I put my faith in Jesus or am I just searching? And how is God's Spirit working in my life right now? And maybe you would say, you know what, I don't ever get those promptings. That's okay, start asking him. Start saying, Jesus, Show me what you're doing in the world around me today and bring me into that and give me the courage to respond when you call me to do something that might be uncomfortable or weird or awkward because you never know. You never know what kind of impact that could have. The second one is when God's word is at work. The eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah, and it was causing him to ask important questions about faith and the identity of the Messiah. So am I regularly taking in the truth of God's word? You've got to ask yourself and be real, like, is this a central part of my life, or is this just sort of a Sunday book? And, and you might say, you know, I can't, I can't ever say, I can never stand before God and say, like, God, I'm so sorry I didn't really have much time to read the Bible, and then he pulls up, like, my screen time, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> You'll never find time to read this book. The enemy will keep you too busy. You have to decide, is Jesus important enough for you to get up an hour early, stay up an hour late, take a half hour lunch, whatever it is, to make it a point to hear what God has to say to you. Whether it's for your own personal growth as a Christ follower, or am I reading in order to try to explore, try to understand more of who Jesus is and what he's done for me, God's word is critical the last one, when God's people are willing. Philip followed the angel's instruction without hesitation, went where he was being led. Philip obeyed the spirit when he was told to go and talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then he had the courage to ask some questions to point the eunuch to Jesus. So ask yourself, who is Jesus leading me to? Who in your life do you know that doesn't know Jesus and you're just too afraid? You know, my wife, Put me in my place one time. Well, she puts me in my place a lot of times. That's, that's her role. And uh, she was like, I was like, I pray about this every single day and nothing is happening. And she was like, well, you pray about it all the time. Do you ever do anything about it? And I was like, woman? Like, no. Like, man, you might be saying, hey, God, I just want, want you to save this person. Will you please make yourself known to them? And God's saying, you're the person I'm waiting for to go tell them. Pray about it. But then take, then trust God when he calls you to go and do that. Who is Jesus leading you to that doesn't know him yet? Is there someone in your life, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, that doesn't know Jesus that he's calling you to? In Acts chapter 8, there's a great persecution that broke out, but it could not stop the good news of Jesus from being shared. Nothing can get in the way of God's spirit, God's word, and God's people when we are seeking to live for him. No persecution, no inflation, no, no pandemic. Nothing will stop the church. Nothing can get in the way of God's spirit, God's word, and God's people when they're seeking to live for him. And, and as a result Of what Philip did, this eunuch went away rejoicing. And so think, you could have an impact in someone's life that could change not just their life, but their eternity. Let me pray for us. Father, you have been so, so good to us. Your grace, your love has been poured out on us. And God, would we as your church go forth and share that love to be be agents of your healing and transforming grace into a broken world? to love others, and to point them to Jesus. And God, for those here who are, ser- who are still searching, who are still seeking, who are still exploring, who still have questions, who still have doubts, there's obstacles, God, would they just continue to search? God, you said that everyone who seeks will find. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be answered. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for letting me share with you this morning. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day, and we'll see you next week. Hey Joe, thank you.